So we're going to end our Acts series today. Then we'll be preaching a really awesome, um, encouraging word for all the men next week that's going to be about why men matter in the world. So, you know, in this day and age when female power is like all the rage, sort of, um, some of that's good, some of it's not so good. But men really matter too, and we don't talk about that very much. So we're going to spend the whole Sunday talking about how important it is for men to be men and how you can be men and why we love that you're men. And we're not going to talk about any of the things we don't love about you. So it's going to be so great. <laughs> All you wives know exactly what I'm saying. So, okay, if you want to turn in your Bibles, since we're concluding our Acts um, series, I went ahead and put the verse on the screen for you. Today's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to share just a little bit on the front, and then we're actually going to do some activation and modeling on the back end. So um, hope you're excited about that. I think it's going to be awesome. So we're going to look in Acts 19, verses 17 through 20. And just a quick background. Um, a few months ago, I preached a message about the seven sons of Sceva. So if you want more in-depth of that, you can catch that on the podcast. But basically, this part of the story of Acts picks up exactly after the man was brutalized by the demons, okay? Or the demonized man brutalized the seven sons of Sceva. So that's what they're talking about. So you guys ready? You don't have to read aloud, but you can read along with me. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and it says this, all of the people in Ephesus were awestruck, both Jews and non-Jews, when they heard about what had happened. Great fear fell over the entire city, and the authority of the name of Jesus was exalted. Sometimes we don't know how to process what that means for great fear to fall over the whole city. But as I was reading through this, you know, it dawned on me, May 20th, five years ago, when we had that huge tornado that destroyed everything, the whole city was taken under that event, right? And so we have an awareness of you could be at a store with a neighbor and that was going to come up in conversation because it was so impactful to people. So that's something that if you're trying to figure out what was it like for everybody to be so in awe of this situation... That's what it was like. So verse 18, many believers publicly confessed their sins and disclosed their secrets. Large numbers of those who had been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls of spells and incantations and publicly burned them. When the value of all the books and scrolls was calculated, it came to $7 million. The power of God caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. This is a weird story. Right? It's a strange story because I think a lot of us don't realize how many people actually are holding idolatrous material in their home. I mean, in Ephesus, it was a little bit more obvious because they had temples dedicated to pagan gods. But I, I, I want to talk to you guys this morning as we finish our Acts series about taking ground both in the spirit and in the natural. What do I mean by that? There's a spirit realm happening around you just as real, if not more real, than the earth realm that you are able to see with your eyes, right? And so today I'm going to give you some really practical tools of what it means to move forward in the kingdom of God. How do we move forward sharing the gospel, furthering the cause of Christ? So what's happening in this story, my little subtitle in my Bible says, Revival Breaks Out. And it broke out off of this interesting really sad moment of the seven sons of Sceva having a very embarrassing situation happen, right? And I, I feel like the Lord has been taking us down this road as a church, and I'm just going to talk to us as a church and the vision that we have as a church. Uh, he's been taking us down this road of personal transformation and a greater level of awakening for ourselves. I think I know most of you have been experiencing that. I love the concept, if you've never heard this before, that life is like a spiral staircase, 
and that we will come back around to the same kind of issues in our life, but the goal is to come at them from a higher perspective, okay? And so we're growing with the Lord. So although you may be delivered of some, some sins and issues and never be tempted with those again, there are other things that we have a proponent to come back to, but hopefully as we're growing in the Lord, we come back to them from a higher perspective. So we've been having this process the last six months of personal transformation, and now I believe it's time for us to begin to do cultural transformation, that what's happening within us begins to come out of us. I think it's a cycle. I talked with you guys a few weeks ago about life cycles. I think it's a cycle where we gather newness and then we give it away and we get more. I'm going to break that down in a second. But for us as a church, we have sort of a two-part vision. It's more nuanced than this, but if I could clarify it into two very simple things, it's that you would be personally transformed into who God has created you to be. And then as a church of collected, transformed people, we would begin to transform the culture around us. That's what we mean when we say bringing heaven's ways to earth, which is our church tagline. And so in, in the middle of Oklahoma, in the middle of the Bible Belt, it's hard to know what does cultural transformation really look like. When there's a church on every corner, when there's religious symbolism everywhere, where morality is very popular. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? So what does it look like to actually have revival break out here in the middle of Oklahoma? I, I feel as a church, we feel as it's not just me, that we're called to come to confront a couple of mindsets, and I'm gonna simplify them by saying this. You don't have to agree with me in this, and that's okay, but I believe as a church we are mandated by God to be transformed as people and then collectively to come against the thought process that comes from the spirit of religion in our area. What does that look like? Judging someone based on what they do and not the way God sees them is a byproduct of a spirit of religion. Convincing yourself that you can actually work yourself into favor with the Lord is something that comes from the spirit of religion. Salvation is a free gift. Good works come out of that place. It's supposed to flow like that, but we don't work ourselves to the throne of God. We work from that place, right? I know you guys know that, but you would be shocked how many people don't know that. Every time a threat of a tornado comes in our area, it automatically exposes the thoughts that people have. When, I mean, I've heard people at grocery stores say, you know, when it's like a scale index of eight and everybody's freaking out and buying their water and their bread and whatnot, and they'll say things like, you know, this is probably because I got drunk last week or because I did that. And I look at them and I say, well, that's bad. Don't do that, right? But you're not incurring the wrath of God. That was all paid for by Jesus on the cross. But because the religious mindset, it convinces us to continue to strive and work instead of rest and focus on relationship. Who wants to grow nearer to somebody who has a checklist of everything you're supposed to be doing in life? Marriage 101, right? <laughs> when we're like, husband, why don't you do this? And you do this, and then all of a sudden you don't feel very connected anymore. It's because nobody wants to be close to somebody that's criticizing everything they do. We draw near from relationship, and then we make adjustments after that. That's a freebie. All right. So this, the, the mindset of religion, you could call it the principality, the spirit. I don't, the language is, I don't think it really matters, but the thing that blankets us, that causes our area to be so convinced that, you know, checking off a checklist is all you need to do, that's what we're called to transform. Amen. 
All right, here's another one. Now, I, don't, I hope to not step on your toes, but I'm pretty sure I will, so just give me grace. Here's the other one I feel like we're called to address in our area, and it's a principality or spirit or whatever you want to call it, a, a blanketing thing of witchcraft. Now, you could say to me, Rachel, our area is very churchy. We're not very witchcrafty, but I would say to you that witchcraft is control, okay? So how many people do you know, you don't have to raise your hand for yourself, are controlling? When we are operating under a spirit of control, which is not always the same thing as wanting to have, you know, an order to things, right? There's a balance in there. But a spirit of control that cannot be okay with things not going exactly like you want them to, that's actually a form of witchcraft. Why? Because witchcraft in its sense is borrowing supernatural power for your own agenda, but God gave you that supernatural power for his agenda. Can you see the difference? Mediums, seances, Ouija boards. I'm just coming up with the ones you all know. There's a lot of ones you probably don't even know about. Um, all of these things, there's others. Uh, oh, palm reading, tarot cards, all that kind of stuff. Now, are you going to instantly combust into flames if you do that? Probably not, okay? But what happens is people pull on the spiritual power and they can only access it through the demonic if it hasn't been given you to you by Jesus, right? So you open up the door to all this junk that you really don't want in your life, okay? But in our area, we have in the name of religion convinced ourselves that we can accomplish everything we think we're supposed to accomplish and we can borrow power because we're aware of a God factor. We borrow the power to do it for ourselves. Let me give you an example. How many churches, don't raise your hand, do you know of that have had a really horrible church split because the pastor or someone else on the leadership team came up and said, God is saying this and it has to be this and there is no room. We're not talking about biblical things. We're talking about, for example, I heard a story recently, not from this church, but from a different area, about somebody who said, well, you need to, the pastor said, you need to bring me your budget and I need to approve every dollar that you're spending. I know, that's a good, thank you, Chad. It is funny. It makes you laugh because you think, now if the person is having debt issues, money management issues, and they're asking for help, that's a different situation, right? But for me to come to you and say, guys, empty out, you know, pull up your online banking. I'm, I'm going to tell you whether you're spending money right. That's ridiculous. That is control. Control comes from witchcraft. So as a church, one of the things we're called to do is to confront that type of mentality. And in this area, although it is so mind-boggling when you like write it down on paper, religion and witchcraft are hand in hand. In the Bible, they're opposites, but in our area, they're almost seamless buddies. It's, what does Jesus say? Those who have eyes to see, see it, right? Now you're going to walk around and go, wait a second. But it also is something that we've become entertained by. For example... The New Age movement, they're a little bit ahead of us, Christians, uh, in borrowing from the Lord what God put in place for us. A lot of them are taking those things. You know when somebody goes, oh, your aura, maybe you guys don't encounter people like this. If you're like me and discerning, you know, the, half of you guys are because I have heard your story from my discernment message. But you encounter people like this. You know, I remember one guy, he's like, wow, your aura is like, wow. And I was sitting there thinking, that is so weird, you know, like... 
And your aura is not, like, I can help you with that, right? And so, but they, that concept is seeing in the spirit. God created it for believers to advance the kingdom. It's been borrowed by the new age that I got off topic. That's another freebie for you. But, all right, things like crystals. How many of you know, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, just rhetorical questions here. How many of you know somebody who carries around a crystal that's supposed to help them in their life? This is real stuff. I know several people like that. I carry this crystal because it helps me have prosperity. This crystal is going to ward off the evil spirits. Guys, this is real. This is new age stuff. And it's one of the things that got burned when revival broke out in Acts 19. When people all of a sudden became aware of the authority of Jesus, which we just read, and when that happened, they started realizing they were putting their faith in all this stuff that wasn't gonna help them, and they willingly chose to burn it. Now, do we all have to burn it? I don't know. I don't read that and interpret that if you ever have something like this in the house, the only way to get rid of it is to burn it. But that's what the motivation that came out of their heart was, we don't, not only don't want this for ourselves, we don't even want anybody else to get a hold of it right? So crystals are one of the things that do that. There's other things that we play around with. Oh, this was the other one I was going to share with you. I have little kids. They watch TV. You would be shocked how many TV shows have a character who is the sorcerer that they go to for advice. Cauldrons, spells, things that are like, you know, so let's, so then you could say, well, Rachel, it's just a spell. It's not a big deal. Okay, let me show it to you this way. All right. There is grace like, if you're a person who is entertained by these things, there's grace. We can talk about it. You're, this is not a, you're, you know, out of the church or anything like that. That's crazy. But here's, let me just tell you my perspective on it. Your kids are watching. Sophia the first and is so cute, and she's such a cute princess, and she is. She's adorable. She has this sweet voice, and she sings these little songs, and, you know, they're bebopping along, and then all of a sudden they have a problem, and they go to the sorcerer who has the big pointy nose and the black jacket, and he whips them up a spell in a cauldron, and he gives her the help to do that. Now, what is the message that's being received? One of it is just fantasy fairy tale, right? But the other one is that when you are in a problem, there is supernatural help out there, but it's not from God. Nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, these spells are things that that person is using to accomplish their own agenda. Again, that's the whole idea of witchcraft. I'm harping on this way too long, but you guys tracking with me, right? So what does it look like for us as a church of people to accept personal transformation and then link arms together to create cultural transformation in our area? It is possible, it's not just possible, I would say it's necessary. It is the, the thing that we are called here as a church to do. And it doesn't have to be very hard. Okay, I wanna give you guys a little bit of a, a breakdown. Um, I forgot to look at my time. Okay, personal transformation that leads to cultural transformation. First thing that happens is we receive understanding, okay? We receive the understanding, we hear, we learn something new. That understanding in our minds seeps down into our spirit and begins to transform us. We have an awareness, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be entertained by that anymore, whatever. And then we begin to be transformed so much so that outward change occurs. We all know somebody who was one way, they had an understanding, now they're a different way. What's another example of how this could play out? When we are all about putting people down and the kind of jokes we make. Okay. A lot of us are raised in homes where sarcasm was just the way that you function, right? It's a fairly normal thing. But sarcasm is very hurtful for a lot of people. And it creates a mentality of a stigma if you're always teasing the same person about the same thing. 
So let's say you get personally transformed. You become aware, wow, I am not honoring in the way I'm speaking about people or to people. So that understanding of needing more honor actually transforms you and affects outward change. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Now that we have outward change, it begins to impact the people around us. As that happens, the culture begins to be transformed. So it's not actually as hard as it sounds. Our area has about 1.2 million people in the greater Oklahoma City metro area, okay? We're gonna have a hard time reaching that many people just ourselves, right? It would be very exhausting. But what does it look like if you start in your home by giving away what you've been getting and you do that in your workplace and a couple people start to get a taste of something and they begin to go down this process and they begin to be transformed, right? I don't think I've shared this story with many of you guys before, but a few, when we first moved up here, so it was five years ago actually, Jack um, was two, and we put him in a Mother's Day out, and I was getting to know his little teacher, not his little teacher, his, he was little, <laughs> getting to know his teacher, but it was about a two-minute conversation at drop-off and pick-up, so this wasn't a long thing. Simultaneously in that season, the Lord had me driving this specific path every time I would go somewhere, and, I, and he would say, I just want you to pray the whole time you're driving there. I want you to pray. Just pray in tongues. If you don't know what to pray, just pray. I said, okay. So I would drive down this section of 4th Street right by um, the new Walmart in Santa Fe, and I would just pray in tongues, just pray in tongues. And I, and I would feel something, but I had no idea why. I'm just like, I'm obeying you, Lord, all right? So several months goes by after Jack had started this program, and the teacher reached out to me, and she sent me a Facebook message, and she said, I have this feeling in my heart that I need to know Jesus. I remember giving my life to Jesus as a kid. I've really never lived for him. I don't know anybody. Now, this, she's working at a church, okay? She said, I don't know anybody that seems to embody what I read in the Bible but you. Would it be okay if we get together and have lunch? Can I ask you some questions? Well, I'm like, what? You know, are you kidding? It's okay. Yes, this is what I live for. And this is not something that happens regularly to me, so don't, don't think that. <laughs> Let's be honest and real. And so we went to lunch, and we started talking, and she said, I don't, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, man, we've only had like, you know, a minute and a half. I never talk about Jesus when we're interacting. And she said, there's something about you when you're walking in the room that is just different than everybody else. And it's made me start wondering, well, what could it be? And then I realized maybe it's Jesus. So talk to me about how you know Jesus. So we spent an hour and a half talking about the Bible, undoing the religious mentality that she had come through. You don't have to work for this. It's a free gift, blah, 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 blah. And so subsequently then her children got saved, they got baptized, um, she, got, she recommitted her life to the Lord, and then her husband, who was very not a Jesus fan, okay, um, we had been praying for him, Several, a couple of you guys know this story because this was at the early stages of the church, and we were praying, we were taking him to the Lord, and you know, God, just reach this man, and, and, uh, and one day out of the blue, he goes, I think it's time for, for me to give my life to Jesus. And we're all like, <laughs> sorry what? Right? And their whole family was actually set on a completely different course for their life. Why? Because I let the transformation bleed out of me, and I wasn't even trying to do it. And I share that story to say, I think sometimes we overthink it so much. We focus on like revival breaking out and how do we make the people burn their crystals instead of realizing that if we just model for them what it means to be a secure son or daughter of God, what it means that when life is crazy, we know where to turn. What it, you see what I'm saying? So in your workplace, okay, or when you're at the grocery store, wherever you interact with people at school, don't miss those moments because they're subtle and we can miss them. 
But if we're going to do what we're called to do to affect transformation, we have to seize those little tiny moments when somebody's venting about a problem, right? And if you're like me, you're usually thinking, I am almost done checking out. I have cold things in my sack. I like to get those in the fridge as soon as possible, right? And we can miss the moment to say, did you know that Jesus can help you with that? I'm not, I don't have to preach everything to you. I can just plant a seed in your mind. And it begins to do something. Grant shared this a few weeks ago, the power of thought. Somebody, their whole life, can never consider that there's hope in Jesus. It just never crosses their mind. And the second you share that with them, it opens up a realm of possibility they could never see. Cultural transformation. All right, so I hope you're feeling stirred, okay? I know I feel stirred <laughs> when I, every time I talk about this. I, I'm trying to bring, bring this into my life on a greater level, too. I don't feel like I've arrived by any means or even do this enough at all, but I feel so stirred to say, Lord, if this is truly the vision that you've called us to do, then it's possible. And so if it's possible, then we got to step out there and do it, right? At least for, this is what I tell myself. I say, listen, you can do this. You can do it. Don't miss those moments, and the Lord is going to go with you. And so what we're going to do, this last part of the message, is I'm actually going to share with you guys a couple of practical things you can do to take ground, okay? So here's the, I want to share an analogy with you before we get into the specifics. I want you to see it like there's a road out there, and a blizzard has come in and dumped all the snow on the road. You can't drive on it because you can't see it, right? And so a bulldozer comes through, or a snowplow, and gets rid of the snow, and now you can drive on it. So that's the way that we take ground. We take it in the spirit first, in the unseen realm. Then we drive down the road in the natural realm. If you're opening a business, we can talk about it all day long, how cool your business is going to be, what kind of clients you want to have, blah, blah, blah. But until you go file your LLC, you're not actually a business, right? That's what we're talking about here. So how do we take ground in the spirit so that we can actually put our feet to motion and start doing these things? So I've got for you, can you put that slide up, Grant? Six different things of how we can do this. So they are, these are, this is not an exhaustive list. These are just some things I felt like the Lord laid on my heart. What I want to do is we want to model these for you, what they look like, so that you can practice it, so that on your own, I've took them, put them all on a printout you can take home. On your own, you can be doing this and building your faith in that. So they are declarations, prayer walks, resting in God's presence, listening to the Lord and obeying what you hear, binding and loosing prayers, and boldly going to the throne of grace. So we're going to break all these down in just a second. Um, but what I want to say is um, I want you to be paying attention to what happens in your spirit when we start to do these things, okay? I know for me, there's this place that I can access inside of myself that's so energetic and bold and exciting, but it's not always there. I sometimes have to jumpstart it. I sometimes have to cultivate it, remind myself that it's there. And so we're gonna go through each of these things, and that's what I want you to be paying attention to is as your spirit begins to get engaged, or if the Lord begins to highlight, this is something you need to be doing every week. So if you've got a family member you're trying to see come to the Lord, a job that you're wanting to shift the atmosphere of. It doesn't matter but what ground you're wanting to take, but whatever ground the Lord has given you, these are some practical tools to do that. So I'm going to have um, Makobi and, and Grant come up. Grant's going to come in just a second. And Sarah's going to play some music. We're going to turn the mood lighting on just a little, not full worship mood lighting. But this is what I want you to do. We are going to show you what this looks like of things of how we do on a regular basis. And I, and I know that a lot of you guys do some of these things too, so don't feel that, don't feel bad. Um, but we're going to model these for you, and then I want you to participate with us, okay? You guys ready? Yes. 
Thank you. We got one that's ready. So here's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with declarations. And I, I know there are a whole teaching we could do on each of these six things. So we're giving you like the one grain of salt on your whole steak, right? It's just not nearly going to be enough. So dig into it on your own. But one of the things that's so, you can start playing when you're ready. One of the things that's so powerful about declarations is that faith comes by hearing. So when we begin to speak over ourselves or a situation what the will of God is, it calls us in line, okay? So I've created a declaration for us. This is just something that came to me in my heart. There's nothing magical about this. This is not a spell, although I do think this is part of where the witchcraft people get spells from because there's power in our confession. And so these are things that are just a model for you. All right, so stand up with me. Okay, you can go to the next slide. And so I want you to declare these things. You can do it with me. Um, over, pick a situation you want to take ground in. It could be your marriage, your family, your job, your school, whatever. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to say it with me. Okay, ready? Say, I am called by God to partner with him in this moment in my life. Jesus is empowering me to bring his kingdom everywhere I go. He will be with me every time I step out in faith. I am strong because God is my strength. People want to hear the good news I have to say. The atmosphere around me will be shifted because I am in it. There's one more. In Christ, I am stronger than anything that comes against me. I am an overcomer. I do not give up on the promises of God. I am set apart to be an influencer of people. My faith affects the people around me. They want to know my God. Okay, so that's declarations. McCoby's going to share with you about prayer walks. So prayer walks is... Uh is taking ground and it's kind of like a it's almost like a prophetic declaration a lot of times um because geographically you know the bible talks about wherever where we step that that place belongs to us when we walk with the holy spirit and so a lot of times um i used to work at this place and it had a horrible and it is an a, uh, i was an employee of a store and the culture was horrible so i'd go in and i would just walk the i literally walk around it like jericho and i would just pray and the culture began to transform and, uh, and we've seen that many times. I know a lot of you guys have seen that as well. So I don't know how prophetic acting you want us to be, but if you're into it, let's walk around this, these group of chairs for a minute. And you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but if you feel it, let's just take a really quick minute. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for our body. Let's pray for ourselves. Make declarations over what you feel like the Lord is saying. We're going to take this ground. And like whenever we built the church, we had the studs up, we had the walls, we wrote on the walls scriptures that we wanted to see happen. And I, I remember walking this, this space right here and I just took the ground and we, would, we all took different areas. And I was just praying, Lord, let this altar be a place of healing and forgiveness. Let it be a place of repentance. Let it be a place where the, where the lost come to know Jesus. Let it be a place that the sick get healed, where people who need deliverance will be delivered, will be free. So you guys start walking. If you want to pray for the church, if you want to pray for your, your job, your life, your marriage, just start walking and pray and declare. Take the ground, literally, prophetically act and take the ground. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for this building that carries the presence of God. That's a portal to heaven. It is an open heaven over every one of our lives. And when we come together, this place is our home. This place is where your presence dwells in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you're doing, Father. 
This building will be a place where angels come and they go and they bring and they give. This place will be a place where the word of God is declared in power, in might. This will be a place where the teaching of the Bible is clear, is powerful, is impactful. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Let's, uh, let's keep going here. All right, you can find your seat. The next one that we're going to talk about is resting in his presence. Rest is warfare. Say it with me. Rest is warfare. Say it again. Rest is warfare. So how in the world is doing nothing an act of warfare? This makes no sense. I agree completely. But in the kingdom of God, when God calls you to something and you say yes and amen and you step forward and all of hell breaks loose against you and comes against you, and instead of fighting on your own strength, you step into God and let him do the work, that is warfare. It's this beautiful thing that makes no sense in any logical place, but it's truth, okay? So when you step out in obedience to God and saying yes to what he's called you to do, it's so incredibly important, especially when it feels like everything's coming against you, you don't know what else to do. This is what I do. I close my eyes and I just envision myself with the Lord. I envision the warfare about me, around me, above me, everywhere, and I just come under his presence. I come under his covering. I come into him. I cuddle myself into him, into his embrace. And I say, Father, you called me to do this. You called me to step out. And this is a little too much for me. So you just take care of it all. And if I will just sit and wait and sit and rest and let him handle it, it's amazing the ground that I take in the spirit when I let him do those things. So take a moment, think of something in your life where you feel like God has called you to advance forward. And then I want you to just envision in your mind's eye being right there with God, looking at the enemy or the stuff ahead or the places you're wanting to go. And instead of doing it on your own strength, just come under his covering, come into Christ and just sit there and rest. And I want you to imagine what is he doing? How is he fighting as you simply rest in him? Just take a minute and imagine it. gets wild the way that Jesus fights. <laughs> it's so good. I remember very practically years ago, I uh, was in a situation and there were some accusations going on and everything inside of me wanted to rise up and defend myself and, and take, you know, like prove myself and, and prove right. And the Lord would just speak to me. He'd say, you are not allowed to say a word. You're not allowed to do anything. All you do is rest in me. 
And magically, the next day, all of the accusations were handled and everything was taken care of. Same thing when, the, when we started this church. I was like, all right, Lord, let's go start a church. Let's go plant a church. And the Lord, he says to me, whoa, 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 who's in charge of this church? You are? You can go do whatever you want. I might come sometimes. But if I'm in charge of this church, here's how you start the church. I want you to literally do nothing, just rest. And I was like, wait. You clearly don't know how this works. <laughs> it's not how you start churches. But we came into Jesus. We rested and let him do his work. And I believe spiritually he was doing tremendous things around us, laying the foundation for what he wants to do. Amen? So choose rest. The next one, listening and obeying. I think this one is so special to me because it's so easy to miss you know, because we have a vision, we have a focus, we can do the aggressive stuff and it's easy, you know, and we get into rest. But there's a, there's a, there's a thing that God sometimes won't let you go forward until you listen and obey to what he says. And I remember this point when I was, um, I was praying for healing a lot at this point in my life. And I was just going after it from like just faith, just pure faith, just like bulldog, just do what everything I can aggressively faith. And I got really far doing that, but then I, it stopped. And there was this point in my life where I don't know what's going on. And it wasn't until I started just inviting the Holy Spirit and I would listen and I would just, I would do weird things that didn't make sense uh, that he told me to do, that the Lord said. I would ask them to do it or I would do it myself. And then I saw another breakthrough in, in praying for healing. And that is so, that is so the Lord. You see that in the Bible so many times uh, where Jesus does these things that don't make any sense, like spitting in the dirt, making mud. I don't think that was just like a random thought. I think he was listening for what the Father was saying. I mean, the Bible says he only do what he saw the Father do. And so we have to be careful not to go as far as we can in what we know how to do, because sometimes he's going to say, that's great that you know how to do that. You can do it well, but now I'm going to, now I'm going to change it up and switch it up to where you're not going to have the comfortability. You're not going to have the faith, but you're going to have to rely on me. So just think of something that you want, um, that you need direction. And if you feel like you've been pressing in, in this area of your life, but you like you hit a wall, and you don't know, like you don't know what's next. You don't know where to go. You feel like the Lord isn't talking to you. Let's just take a second, just a really quick second, and just be quiet in your spirit, and just latch on to whatever He says. One of my favorite uh, stories in this realm of things is um, Bill Johnson with Bethel Church. He was he saw a uh, a witch. Uh, I don't know why we're talking about witches so much this morning, but this this popped in my mind. He saw somebody doing a act of witchcraft, or um, you know, I don't know if it was Satanism or whatever. But it, during the worship service, it was clearly an act of uh, some demonic something. And instead of just going over there and like I rebuke in Jesus' name, you know, just kind of doing what like the like the first thought in your head is to just go and like get it, you know. He, he said, he talked to one of his dancers, he said, hey, go dance on stage. And she, she started dancing on the stage and immediately it was like, uh, he, he described it like, like how puppets have strings and the strings got cut and the, the girl who was doing the demonic act fell to the floor under the power of God. 
just because the dancer, because Bill heard, put the dancer on stage, she started dancing, and the power of God fell. And that's, you can miss those things. Amen. Amen. All right, the last two we've got are binding and loosing prayers. And um, there's a, actually several things about this on our podcast if you want more about it. But essentially, Matthew 18, 18 tells us what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And so we can affect the atmosphere around us by binding things. This thing of religion and witchcraft in our city is not something we can just look at and say, you go in the name of Jesus. It's here because lots and lots of people have welcomed it to stay so we don't have the authority to take someone else's power away from them right their own willpower to want that to stay but we do have the authority to say you don't get to access me right you don't get to access this church and so we're going to take a second and just pray some binding and loosing prayers and and it's it's everything that it sounds like it is you identify what are you wanting gone? You bind it up and then you loose the opposite of that that comes from heaven. So if you wanna stand up again, you can stand up with me and we're gonna specifically bind up fear this morning. That's what I felt like the Lord said. So just repeat after me and this is just one way to pray it. Say, in the name of Jesus, I bind up the spirit of fear that wants to affect me. You cannot manifest in me. You cannot project onto me. I declare you cannot affect me at all. I forbid you to speak to my mind, to my spirit, to my emotions, and my soul in Jesus' name. Now, Lord Jesus, I loose your sound mind over me right now. I loose your love over my heart and over my environment. So if you struggle with sleeping at night, this is a great thing to do. You just occupy the atmosphere in your room. You tell it what you want it to be because God has given you that authority. You may have to tell it a few nights in a row before it starts to get the message, but if you back to, if you don't back down, it will back down. All right, one last thing I want to share with you guys is boldly going to the throne of grace. So if, uh, Hebrews 4, 16 tells us we have been given permission. I like to visualize it like walking into a palace with giant doors and flinging open the throne room doors and just walking straight up and saying, Lord, here's what I need from you. Here's what this person needs from you. And so what we're gonna do is I want you to think of someone in your life that needs an encounter with God. Okay, someone that has a struggle of some sort and we are going to take them boldly in the spirit to the throne of grace and we're going to let God do that there. And so, of course, this is a very complicated and complex thing, but it can be simple as well. So are you got that person in your mind? You can whisper their name when we get to the name part or maybe don't whisper it if it's the person you came with. So, okay, here we go. Say, Father God, I come to your throne of grace. And I ask for your grace to be extended to the person that's on your mind. <laughs> Say, I ask you, shower them in your kindness that leads to repentance. And now do this, just a prophetic act in your mind. Take that person and place them before God's throne. Say, I place them before your throne. And I ask for your grace to intervene in this situation. And so it's really as simple as that. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And so how I want us to end is I want us to just pray, take a second and just press in 
to this vision of cultural transformation, this calling from the Lord on, that's on our church that's been here for five and a half years since the Lord gave us the, the blueprints for this church. And so I don't. you can pray any of these ways we just listed, but we're gonna take a second. I'd love for you to just be bold and pray out loud. Pray for us to be strengthened, to begin to transform our homes, our jobs, our environment, and then our city, and then our state, and the nations of the world, why not? So let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we release your vision for Oklahoma City. Lord, we release your vision for our families right now in Jesus' name. We release your vision over our own hearts. God, we don't want to just play church. We want to actually do the stuff that we've been reading about the last few weeks. Lord, we ask for boldness. We ask for power. We ask for eyes to be hearing, to see what you're doing, ears to be hearing what you're saying. And we ask, Lord, that you teach us how to be just like you, Jesus. And Lord, we do, we just say, blanket this area, Lord. Let revival truly break out, revival of relationship with you, of such an undying love that we cannot not love each other. Lord, we just ask for divine appointments over this next week. God, give us tangible ways we can walk this out. And Lord, I pray over every single person in this room a blessing from heaven. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we cancel every plan the enemy wants to bring against you, and we release you into your destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you feel something stirring in your heart because you can feel this same thing every day of the week. And you, this is just one of the ways you can do that. So if you liked this, I'm going to put these on the back table um, in the lobby. You can put them in a Ziploc bag and set it in your shower if you don't want anybody to know you're doing it. And, you know, and keep it there in a secret place. You can put it in your car, whatever. But take some time this week to pick at least one of these things and start working it into your life so that our souls can begin to be awake, our spirits can be on fire, and all that good stuff. Seriously love you guys. Amen.